From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Demer. Today on the show, we have a lot of listener questions, comments, and some FTX news coming up on the Decrypt Daily. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, November 28th, 2022. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I'm up, back, up from Florida. Up, back, up from Florida. <laughs> I'm back from Florida. I had a great weekend with my family, my dad, my brother. We went down to Miami the other day, uh, watched the Spain-Germany game, flew out at night, and now I'm back in Ohio. So you're going to get more consistent podcasts from me because I'm not traveling in the near future. Also, I can't believe that this year is almost over. We're moving into December. Next holidays up are our winter holidays, and well, then we're going into the new year. 2023 is right around the corner. First, before we get into the crypto prices in today's news, I have some listener emails I wanted to address. So here they are. First is from Troy. Troy says, I'm sorry you didn't achieve your goals in the election. Thanks, Troy. I appreciate that. It would have been good to see a crypto-savvy person in D.C. He continues to say, I fear this FTX SBF situation can force immature policies. Let's hope they do it right, but it must be done. I had money on Voyager, BlockFi, and Gemini, and it's still all locked up in there. I still have many miners running, though, but I've taken a large hit. I hope there's some class action lawsuits available for people like me that had business loans out to buy miners and support the industry, but got caught up in the middle. It's a big mess. Happy Thanksgiving, amigo. Troy. Troy, thank you for the email. And if you're a lawyer listening to this pod, because I do have a couple that listen to this pod, and you know a class action lawsuit that is going to try to help protect business owners or people like Troy that got caught up in you know trying to create businesses around this industry, let me know. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-A-A-R-O-N at Decrypt.co. Have another email from Reese from the UK. Thanks, Reese, for this next email. It's rather long, so let's get into it. it. says, Hey, Matthew, big fan of this show and a longtime listener. I listened with interest to your show yesterday. This was sent, I think, on Friday, so it was a while ago. And I thought I had to write to you about your comments around electricity versus plastics. During the last bull market, one of the leading anti-crypto narratives was about electricity consumption. And a refrain that I often heard was about planet-killing NFTs. It's a perception that's perhaps unfair when you look at the energy mix of various proof-of-work blockchains, but it's also one that we as an industry need to tackle to break through to mass adoption. Politically, it makes us an easy target for legislation like that was introduced in New York. And side note, the legislation that was introduced to New York that he's referring to was the mining ban. New miners in New York are banned that are using uh, non-sustainable energies or energies that uses carbon. So uh, if you're using like fossil fuels, oil, coal, natural gas to power your miners, your Bitcoin miners, or your proof-of-work miners, you're not doing it in New York. Reese continues to say, and more broadly, it's hard to justify a comparison to a mass-use industry like plastics, even though we should, of course, be doing more there too. As someone who uses compostable coffee pods, I'm always disappointed with that K-cup figure. And the K-cup figure he's referring to is the 13 billion K-cups used per year. Crazy. Reese continues to say, 
It would be more fair to look at the industry we hope to replace, perhaps looking at the TradFi consumption and the additional footprints they generate from their data centers, travel, and other aspects if we want to compare aspects of environmentalism with crypto. I think we need to be careful with whataboutism when discussing the issue of electricity use. Ultimately, we can and should be doing more, especially on electricity and globally on plastics. He concludes with, There's obviously a lot more uptick here about state, federal regulation and priorities, globalization and other issues. But being from the UK, I'm not hugely well-placed to comment. Keep up the good work and look forward to your next show. Reese. Reese, thank you for the email. I really appreciate it. I want to comment on that. Um, first, I want to disagree saying that comparing energy uses of Bitcoin to TradFi or Fiat, I think it's a hard sell and it's very, I guess, ambiguous. And why do I say that? Bitcoin is like a hobby to a lot of people that don't Bitcoin, right? <laughs> that don't mind, that don't use it, that don't study what's going on, that might think it's just a Ponzi scheme or think it's just useless or think it's just magic internet money. So to compare it to something that everybody in the whole world uses, fiat currency and the current banking infrastructure, it's kind of like comparing something that is physical to something that is magical or sci-fi. And I think that it's a horrible comparison because people just don't get it and they don't want to get it because it's something that they don't have to deal with every day. I think a better comparison and a comparison that I've used multiple times is comparing the energy use of Bitcoin to the PC gaming industry. And I did a quick numbers lookup. I mean, obviously these are rough as hell, but I found estimates of but I found estimates of Bitcoin mining energy usage and they range anywhere from 100 terawatt hours to 134 terawatt hours. So let's just average that to 120 terawatt hours every year. And so the US now has one third of Bitcoin mining. I think it's more like 38%, but let's just call it one third. So if we're using 120, that's 40 terawatt hours. The gaming industry in the US uses 34 terawatt hours as of July of 2022. And so personally, I think that's a better comparison of using um, two kind of like, let's just call it from the point of view of people who don't game and don't Bitcoin, two frivolous, pointless activities. Uh, comparing them back next to each other because fiat and the banking industry is something we all use and we can see that it's very, very important to our daily life. So comparing those, I think, is a better comparison. I use plastics in the way to say, hey, I don't understand. And it was probably poorly delivered and it might still be poorly delivered right now. But I hate the environmental arguments that don't like take the lowest hanging fruit on the tree. And the lowest hanging fruit of the tree of saying, hey, let's pr protect our environment is 100% are single-use plastics, in my opinion. It hurts our food chain. It hurts our bodies. It hurts the animal bodies. It hurts our environment. It's going to stay around for hundreds of years. And we use a crap ton of single-use plastics. And so I was trying to make it a point, like, say, hey, if we really want to focus on cleaning up the environment, let's look at how we produce and consume. And guess what I was trying to say is, like, we make a narrative out of nowhere uh, for these certain industries. Like I said, gaming and Bitcoin are using the same amount of energy in the United States. But we're focusing on that one. It's kind of like when people keep focusing on Tesla for its recalls. They have 19 recalls this year, but nobody mentions that Ford had 63. But people will keep pointing at Tesla as being a unreliable bad car. That's because the narrative was pointed that way. And that's what people focus on. Every time Tesla slips up, it's in the news, not Ford, right? And so I guess that's what I was trying to point out. I don't know if it worked well. We keep just trying to focus the narrative on one thing when trying to clean up our environment or help with, you know, global warming or our carbon emissions. And the Bitcoin narrative doesn't even come close to the things that we should be worrying about. 
Like I said last show, we use 12 million barrels of oil just to make our plastic bags. <laughs> so anybody, please feel free to comment again. Let me know. Matthew on Crypto.co. Let's stop this ranting and rambling and get into those crypto prices. And the time is 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $16,085, down 3% in 24. Ethereum is at $1,161, down 4.6% in 24. is number three, BNB is at $291, down 6.8% in 24. And USDC is number five. Rounding off the top 10, we have BUST XRP Doge, which is down 11.5% after a massive rally over the weekend. Cardano's number 9, and Matic is number 10. Our total market cap is down 3.6% in 24. It's at 813.3 billion. Our BTC dominance is at 38%, and our F dominance is at 17.5. Moving into today's headlines, just got this email a couple minutes ago, well, about a half hour ago, from BlockFi. And BlockFi says, Dear Matthew, BlockFi today voluntarily filed petitions for Chapter 11 reorganization. This action follows the shocking events surrounding FTX and its associated corporate entities and the difficult but necessary decision we made as a result to pause most activities on our platform. Since the pause, our team explored every strategic option and alternative available to us and has remained laser-focused on our primary objective of doing the best we can for our clients. These Chapter 11 cases will enable BlockFi to stabilize the business and provide BlockFi with the opportunity to consummate a reorganization plan that maximizes value for all stakeholders, including our valued clients. Rest assured, we will continue to work on recovering all obligations owed to BlockFi as promptly as practicable. And there is a couple more paragraphs in that email, but it looks as though it's official. BlockFi has filed for bankruptcy. Japan's line is shutting down its U.S. exchange Bitfront in the new year in an effort to focus on its other blockchain ventures. The messaging company said in a notice to customers that new signups have been suspended as of today and services will be slowly turned off over the next four months. Line, which runs the Line blockchain system and the Link ticker LN token, said that the decision has been taken in the best interest of its other projects. Line, however, clarified that the decision was not connected to the FTX debacle. And today I learned that Line had an exchange and a token. And if you guys are wondering what the token's price is, I looked it up right now, and the price is $25.39. It's down 6% in 24 hours. It has a market cap of $159 million. And its all-time high was, holy crap, $347.83 set two years ago on April 1st, 2021. It's down 93% since then. Now moving into the plethora of FTX news. Ryan Pinder, Attorney General and Minister of Legal Affairs for the Bahamas, held a late Sunday press conference to defend the integrity of our jurisdiction, asserting that despite his country's reputation as a crypto paradise and haven for crypto schemes, the Bahamas is a place of laws. He said this in quote, We have been shocked by the ignorance of those who assert that FTX came to the Bahamas because they did not want to submit to regulatory scrutiny. In fact, the world is full of countries in which there is no legislative or regulatory authority over crypto and digital asset business. But the Bahamas is not one of those countries. 
he continued to acknowledge the Bahamas' enormous interest in the FTX case, but warned that the basic facts have been obscured by guessing games and rumors. He said this in quote, On a basic level, recent events involving the insolvency crisis experienced by the FTX group of companies have been experienced around the world in practically every sector. What happened could be more readily understood as a case of very large business failure as a result of questionable internal management practices and corporate governance. And so the question still is there, it's out there, where is Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder of FTX? Well, the community is taking the search in their own hands. And this is weird and cool at the same time. The cool part, I think, is, is that the crypto community is actually looking for Sam. Uh, that's what the journalists should be doing. That's what we should be like getting from... I mean, this is one of the biggest scams of all time. And people are just sitting there like, ah, let's just see where Sam is. Well, he'll, he'll pop up. Go find the guy. Like, what are you supposed to be doing? You're a journalist. Go find him. Dig down. What's happening? Where is he? And so I think it's really cool that the crypto community or influencers are going out there. However, I kind of question the intentions of the influencers. If it's just not for their influence or are they actually trying to get a result here? And so we all know influencers like Ben Armstrong, a.k.a. BitBoy or BitBoy Crypto. He's gone to the Bahamas to try to find Sam. He's been in front of his penthouse. He's been asking security guards. He's been to uh, SBF's parents' property, property that they own in the Bahamas. YouTuber Gabriel Haynes also decided to go to the Bahamas. He successfully crowdfunded $10,000 to fly himself and his family to the Bahamas to look for Sam Bankman-Fried. He told Decrypt this, that he's currently on his way to the island and he isn't confident he'll be able to find SBF. I want to make some good, fun content for people to enjoy. People have lost a lot of money in this and have gotten so many messages from people how they felt so much better from watching my videos about SBF and the whole collapse. He also commented about BitBoy. He said, I get why he's doing it. It feels like no other authority actually cares. And I really like that comment. And I think that's why journalism is going to the hands of individuals and YouTubers and podcasters way over mainstream. And mainstream is literally failing. I also have a decrypt opinion piece from Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts that I want you to read. It's called Five Lessons from the Stunning Implosion of SBF and FTX. What are those five lessons? The fall of another false crypto idol. A plot twist at the end of a business rivalry. A victory lap for DeFi advocates. Centralized crypto exchanges. They're not dead. And more bad news for the industry than good. Link is in the show notes. And finally today, in all news, headlines, and FTX news, following the collapse of FTX, multiple U.S. regulatory agencies have opened investigations into FTX and other centralized exchanges and operators as the contagion continues. Now, the Alabama Securities Commission and other states are investigating Genesis Global Capital. I would tell you what those other states are, but I clicked the link in the Decrypt article and it opened up a link with a paywall, so I guess I'm SOL. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I will be back tomorrow. And until then, happy hodling, everyone.